Tonight, I want to talk about how to be spiritually parented. <laughs> how to be spiritually parented. So, I come to realize after some recent events in my own journey that um, I didn't know how to be parented. So we'll go natural first, right? So when you think of a, a parent, you think of mom, dad, and uh, I'm not gonna step too far, I promise. <laughs> a mom and a dad. And um, when you think of a dad, you think of a provider, someone goes to work, brings home money, everybody eat, this and the other. Mother, she's usually the one that's home and she's the one you can go to and talk about anything and you know, she's gonna get you back right and it's okay, right? Typically. But even in that, right, because that's what we would consider like the, no, naturally speaking, the, the perfect example of a healthy family, right? All right. You still somehow produce dysfunctional children. Even out of a what looks like a naturally perfect family, correct? So it can't be that, right? Now, unfortunately, we have some insight that the world doesn't because we have a different example of what a family should look like and how it should function. And we'll get into that in just a moment. But I want to paint that example to you before I take it this route. The question I want you to be able to answer when you leave today is, are you a son and or a son or daughter, or are you just visiting? Ooh. Oh, that's good there. Now, I like that. Because as soon as you can answer that question, it will set you on the course that you should be on. Oh, that's good. That's good. Okay. Okay. Amen. So, so throughout the teaching, I want you to kind of keep that in the back of your head. Because it, start, it starts off visiting, right? It starts that way. Somebody invites you, or you happen to find us on YouTube or the internet, and you, you start coming, right? But, it, but if you are only in that position after three years, four years, five years, 10 years, and it's like, you know, that thrill, that excitement, that, oh, the newness of it is just for that first year, now it's kind of like, kind of stagnant. It's because you're not just visit you're not supposed to just be visiting anymore. So you figure it's like this naturally. When you go to your job, you don't just go visit your job. Right? You become an employee and you get to work. Right? Yep. Right? And you are now a part of that company. Correct? Okay. But when it comes to church, sometimes we just visit. Wow. And we'll visit for five years. Man, you better go on say that now. Right? So but we're looking around and we're like, man, certain other people, they're growing, lives changing, getting filled with the Holy Ghost, prophesying, all types of great things. But I'm still just kind of visiting. Everybody else excited about the word, but I'm hearing the same thing. And it's like, I mean, yeah, you know, that's cool. I'll take that, maybe look at that a little later. Maybe not. All right. We keep it real. Maybe not. You know, because I've been guilty of that. Oh, I'm going to go back and study the whole thing out. Didn't do it. See, but as soon as you can be honest, as soon as we can get help. Right? Okay. So let's look at 
Let's look at this. Give you, just give you, give you a couple statistics about the actual condition of the homes in America that we live in, okay? Because that, that's, that's the one they show you, well, that's the one they used to show you on TV, because now they got some everything in the family dynamic on TV. But originally, that's what they used to show you, and that's what it looked like to have a perfect little family. But we all know that most families today have, are fatherless. Do we agree? Most of them. How many people came from a home that didn't have a father in the home actively? Excuse me, let me, let me separate those two questions. How many people grew up in a home without a father actually in the home? All right, hands down. How many people grew up in a family with a father physically there, but not in any other way? That means no emotional support, no, no impartation, no genuine relationship. All right, hands down. And for those who are trying to figure out, well, is that me? Is it not? Because me and my dad did talk. Usually what happens is you feel closer to one of the parents than the other. That's a, that's a sign. So currently in America, because we have fatherless homes, 63% of youth that commit suicide are due to a fatherless home. 90% of runaways, of homeless people, are because, are because they have a father. They don't have a father in the home. 85% of behavioral issues usually don't have a father in the home. 85%. 75% of adolescents that abuse chemicals, drugs, marijuana, et cetera, et cetera, don't have a father in the home. And 85% of incarcerated youth also don't have a father in the home. So that should show us the need of a father in the home, right? So raise your hands for all the ones that didn't have the father in the home. And be honest, I had one there that won't really dare, like should be, I'll be honest. So that means that you're prone to suicidal thoughts. You're probably a runner in some way, whether it's from God or, but you're probably a runner, just a runner in the mind. You find it hard to really function with other people. So you have behavioral issues, usually an attitude, usually a disposition, something along those lines. And for a high, oh, I didn't get this one. 71% are high school dropouts. So you know what that means? Is that you have an issue completing tasks. So 71% so of those people who didn't have fathers home have an issue finishing. So you get those one people that have a bunch of different ideas but never do anything with it. Probably didn't have a father. Chemical abuse, 75%. 75%, you have a 75% chance that you're using some you're abusing some form of chemical. Some form of chemical. That can be an actual chemical, it can be drugs, it can be food, anything that messes up or influences your chemical balance in your body. You know that can be communication too? Because that messes up your chemical balance. That's why when somebody says something to you and you start to get angry, your heart rate starts to rise, you start to sweat, because that's a chemical hormonal response to how you're feeling and thinking. 
71% chance. And then, this is the big one, 85% are still in captivity in your mind. So what's that look like? I'm not captive, I'm free. You still got unforgiveness? Captivity. Still got bitterness? Captivity. Still greedy? Captivity. Still sinning? Captivity. 85%. Something to think about. So, all that being said, that leads me to my next thing. Is, question is next, well, all right, why do we need to be spiritually parented? Right, we got a lot of those. You know, why we need to be spiritually parented? I, I, I got this. I'm saved. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, hopefully. You know, all these things. I don't really need to be spiritually parented. Well, why did Jesus say? Because this will be putting your word up against Jesus' word. I'll give you new fathers and new mothers. Why? He didn't say, I'll give you a new car, a new home, a new house, a new job. He said, I'll give you new fathers and new mothers. For what purpose? Because you need parenting. You still need to be parented. Why is it there? And then, does it ever stop? Does it ever stop? 30 years old, I still got a mom. And when she's not here, guess what? I'll still have a mom. Still have a dad. So do you ever stop being a child, technically? Never. You're all Because you're always going to have parents. Whether they are physically here or not, you still had parents. So for spiritually, that would also mean that you would always have parents. You because I, I can't outgrow my parents. It's not possible, right? So then the scripture says, you'll never be greater than your teacher, right? So that makes a whole lot more sense because you can't outlive your, you can't outgrow, excuse me, your parents. Something to think about. So, let's see. Got a whole lot of little stickies here. All right. So let's talk about, teacher said something to me the other day. Um, I'm going to give you all quite a few little examples because I want you to know why I'm telling you what I'm telling you today. Um, and teacher had a conversation. There was something that was very pivotal. There was a lot of pivotal things, but this one particularly pertains to today's message. Is as soon as you, you know, excuse me, when it comes to your spiritual leaders, he has to be your pastor. That means you have to take full possession of it. She has to be your teacher. Meaning you have to take full possession of it. Full possession. But you know what we do? Is we're like foster children. Spiritually. We're like foster children. And what do foster children do? Soon as it gets rough. You're not my mom. You're not my dad. Right? And they run away, exactly right. In fact, 90% of them do. Run. You know, you know what we do? We find a new church. That's how you know you're a foster child. Because you can't find anywhere that feels like 
home because you don't know what home looks like to know where to find it. Spiritual parenting. So think about this. What is a father? Father is someone who is a provider, right? Just by, by definition. A provider, and pattern in Greek. Right? He's an overseer. He's, he's the one that is the figurehead in the home, right? Okay. And then a mother. It's the first word that comes to mind. I found this very interesting because I'm a mama's boy. But what, 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 what comes up? Uh, ain't nothing wrong with that. I think she did all right. No, I'm just kidding. I'm playing. You did, though. Um, uh, what's the first word that comes to mind when you think of mother? Thank y'all. That's good. That's good. Because, you know, you, sometimes you be studying, you're like, the Holy Ghost, it's you. But teachers teach me to know that it is him. So, all right. So what does nurturing really mean? What does nurturing really mean? All right. Now, now hold on real, real quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. How many people would say that they're nurturing? Just raise hands. Raise hands. Raise hands. Okay, all right, cool, cool. Okay, real quick, real quick. All right, teacher, go ahead and go put your hand out. Let me ask, I'm gonna ask, I just want, y'all know I usually like have a little interaction. How many people really believe teacher is nurturing? Let's be honest, based on how you feel, lift your hands. And now you know what? Because I seen about half y'all cut that eye teacher when she raised her hand. But that's okay, that's all right, okay. All right, all right, okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. That's good, that's good, that's good. That's excellent. I know, I know, I know. Okay, so in that case, in that case, can I get one person just to tell me what they believe nurturing means? Just anybody. Don't look it up. Sarah? Huh? We got next? Okay. Okay, two people, two people. Remote Mark. Okay, and when I think of nurturing, I think of someone who's going to pick you up when you fall down, but also be strong enough to tell you what your faults are and teach you how to correct them. <laughs> um, I would say nurturing is to tend to something to the point where it grows. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Now, I like that. I'm working this day, man. I'm working this day. I think, no, let me stop. <laughs> okay, good, good. All right, so I'll tell you all my initial answer before I really realized what it was. Now, when I think of nurturing, I thought of my mom, right? Now, my mom has always been somebody I can talk to about anything, just literally anything, and still is. <laughs> And uh, and it and it would always be like you know it's so you know it's okay she gonna help she gonna help get me right but she gonna do it you know real gently and you know and she know you know my little trigger points and whatnot so she know what to say to, to just get me right right and then so also um, like you know like like I hurt my leg right everybody know that now my mom you know it's, oh my baby you know your leg gotta be right and all these great things right that she did and so. That's another aspect of that I would think of as nurturing, right? 
So, so much so, I ain't gonna lie. I still be like, you know, like sometimes my wife be like, B, you know, how you feeling? I'm like, you know, I'm all right. My mom, how you feeling? I mean, like, it still be like a little swollen. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, you're right. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. I've been doing it. It's like she bring it out to you, man. She bring it out to you. Hey, Lord, I want some soup too. All right. Um, so, <laughs> but this is what nurturing really means. I'm gonna tell you just how much teacher is a nurturer. And we didn't know it for so long. I'm gonna be real, y'all. We didn't know it. We did not know it for a long time. The most, the majority of us, maybe a select few. Maybe it was esoteric knowledge about it. Only a select few knew about it, but you know, I don't know. The rest of us didn't. It is this. <laughs> it's to support and encourage during training and development. It's to bring up and it's to educate. So a nurturer is a teacher. Not someone that's going to it's all right, you know, I'm gonna get you back right. And that's a real, we think real gentle, real soft, real enduring, right? Because those are all feelings. Those are all emotions. That's what we, that's real sweet. We, we attach those things to what we naturally interpret. Just, and it's because we just haven't looked it up. Because that's English, that ain't Hebrew or anything like that. That's English. So it is to support and encourage during training and development, to bring up and to educate. That's what to nurture is. All right, man of God. So <laughs> that's what a real a teacher is, is a nurturer. So now, let, now, with that being said, we should go back to a couple examples in our mind of conversations that we've had with teacher uh -huh. Uh -huh. to see where we were being nurtured but didn't know because that probably hindered us from receiving the nurturing, right? Yeah. So nurturing sounds like, I mean, when you gonna lay your whole life down? Yeah. For real. Yeah. I mean, for real. So we can really grow, right? That sounds like development, right? right. Mm -hmm. Education sounds like this. You know, you're not really saved because I'm giving you some information that you don't realize. Not for real. Not, not for real. But, oh, oh, I mean, it's, it's like, I mean, so whatever you saying, you saying, no, no, but, but, but really hear me. If we are saying, because I myself have been guilty of saying a lot of things that is like, well, your life doesn't quite line up to that scripture. Oh, but we can toss it, we can, we can, we can make it look just beautiful. But then, but there's no real place in us for the word to be found, to settle down and really become, right? Right? So the word is meant to nurture you. Man shall not survive off bread alone, but off every word, right? You nurture something to keep it alive or back to life, right? You give it something that it didn't have because you saw that it was malnourished. It was missing something that it really needed. Right? Really need exactly in order to live or in order to become. Right? So that means that someone who nurtures has to be able to see. Because how else are you going to develop it? Develop it into what? Train it, 
according to what? To be what? You would have to be able to see to really nurture. So we got a little girl. To really nurture her, I would have to be able to see what she needs to anticipate the need. In order to say that I'm a nurturer, you would have to really be able to see. Right? Okay. Now, a father, and it's, it's just so, it just, it's just so beautiful. Because a father is someone who originates or establishes. Now, y'all, come on, man. Someone, a father is someone who originates or establishes. This English definition is, I didn't go no Greek, no Hebrew. This is right in our English dictionary. So, what does pastor do? How many businesses has he established? Hmm? How many fathers have he established? How many marriages has he established? Right? So, if we, because I, the reason why I'm going so slow with this is because we have to be able to I really see them as our spiritual parents. But in order, but, but before you can really receive someone as such, you have to understand how they're functioning in that role. Because we've had a lot of dysfunctional parents, some of us. Agree? So we don't need, but that's not God in the kingdom. It's meant to be functional. So our new father and our new mother, if we receive it as such, we have to, when we understand how they function, we can understand how we are supposed to function so that the relationship can be functional. Agree? All right. So man, there's so many places I could go with that. Let's So naturally, I thought about this, right? I said, "Okay. At one time pastor said something, you know, kind of I'm a, I'm going to say he said something, but he really didn't cuz it was me, but we we got all that, right? We understand that part." Okay. Oh, we know? Okay. All right. So maybe not. I'll take it back. I th so when you're offended, it's usually you. It's not the person. All right? So that means, so if someone's like, you know, be, you know, you short. You know, I'm not the tallest person in here, but I'm not the shortest person either. So, but it's got no place in me for me to feel offended. So I'm like, I mean, you could have came up with something better than that. Right? Just like we should tell the enemy, you could have came up with something better than that. Right? Okay. So if someone did, does something or say something, like, you're supposed to be here on time. You're late. That's just one of some punctuality is a thing. We feel some type of way. But is it true? You're supposed to walk in love. I'll, 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 spread, it, I'll spread it abroad. Don't worry. You're supposed to walk in love. Right? Or not. Nah, it go like this. You ain't walking in love. <laughs> what you mean I ain't walking in love? Right? you like, I mean, I mean, what you mean? I'll give you one. I mean, your heart is just so dark. Like, my heart is, what you mean? It's dark. I'm right here in the church. What you mean my heart is dark? Right? But, so you, and you, oh, Lord, don't even throw the titles on there. Then it's just even, it's just even worse. But, but we get offended because we keep, if we really keep it, if we really being truthful, it's true. And we just mad somebody saw it. But that's a nurturer, because a nurturer has to be able to see. Good. 
So if my mom or my spiritual mother can't see into my life and what's wrong and what should be right, might not be my mom, might not be my spiritual mother either. So we got a lot of babysitters and not parents. So we'll, we'll jump right into that then. Because if you think about this, always my child. A babysitter, they're not caring about, you know, they care about a child's overall well-being. <laughs> overall well-being, right? <laughs> but they're not like, oh, you know, how is she reading? You know, how how is how are they how's their in, how's their intellect really developing? And you know, are they really being nourished? You know, like they should. You know, I noticed that they kind of walking a little funny. When's the last time you had them kind of checked out to see if there's any imbalance? Or you know, I feel like they should be developed. So all that right there, it's not a babysitter. Cut me my little check or cash or whatever. You know, I'm gonna watch them, make sure they don't kill themselves or do nothing crazy, and I'll hand them back to you in the same condition you gave them to me if you're lucky. That's a babysitter, right? That's a babysitter. Now, a parent is concerned with the child's development, right, and their character. That's how you know you have a parent. So we got a lot of adults, unfortunately, who lack character because we didn't have parents who would address our character while we were developing. So. That also is something that identifies a parent. So I'm gonna look at, oh man. Let's go back to educate and training. So training means to develop or form habits, thoughts, or behavior by discipline and instruction. That's training, right? So we are in training every time we come together. It's training, because it's teaching. And then we have educate. This one I personally like. To qualify, now again, this is still a parent that qualifies you. You don't qualify yourself. Food for thought. And to qualify by instruction and training for a particular calling. So your parents should know the call that's on your life. Because remember I was saying that they should be able to see in order to nurture and develop you according to your call. So sometimes, so like one time I sent past a text and I said, you know, well this person does this and you know, I do it and it's like, it's this thing. When, as of right now, at least, there's no other pastor in here. No one, nobody else is being trained to be a pastor at the moment. So I can't get treated like everybody else. Because I'm being trained and developed according to the call. So if you're called to be a teacher, you're going to be trained and developed according to your call. If you're called to be an intercessor, same thing. So that's why certain people have certain levels of treatment based on your call. Where we get frustrated and confused is we don't know our call. We think we, because we see the intercessor being treated like this, so we think we're an intercessor. <laughs> we think we're a teacher. Some think we're a pastor. Some people think an evangelist. But you're being, 
but so you don't realize what you're really being trained for because you haven't identified what your call is. So all you see is, this is rough. This is rough. It's like going into Marine Corps boot camp and you sign up for the Air Force. And you sitting here like, I mean, we gonna do push-ups every day, all day? They said we would eat sometimes. Like that's a whole, right? It's a whole different thing. But if I knew I was actually called to be in the Air Force, I'd be in the Air Force, chilling, doing just a few push-ups. That boot camp was the easiest boot camp ever, just FYI. But Marine Corps is a completely different thing, right? Just like the kingdom of God is a completely different thing than the world. One has no rules, and the kingdom of God has a lot of them, right? Okay. So all that being said now, we've identified who our spiritual parents are, how they function, right? Let's talk about honor and respect. Because I had a lot of brothers and sisters, and majority of them did not honor and respect my parents. Now, I wasn't a perfect kid, don't get me wrong, but in my heart, I always held their position as my mother and my father, and you know, I, they know better than me, because they do, although sometimes you feel like they don't, right? That's true. Sometimes we feel like they don't, right? All right, you know. So, but, um, <laughs> but, but when I established that in my heart, I was able to honor and respect them, even to this day. So, do we really do that with our spiritual leaders? Do we really hold them in high esteem? Do we really appreciate them the way we should? I give, do we really even appreciate them the way we appreciate our natural parents? Really think about it. And if you didn't have natural parents, then I get that too. But you do know what respect means, by definition. You do know what honor means, by definition. Because that is exactly what you want. So, by definition, honor means high respect for, or worth, or merit, or rank. So, you honor the position that they hold in the kingdom. The call that's on their life. That's what you honor. Now, I will say this. If you are esteeming and honoring then to the untrained eye, the immature eye, it will look like worship. It will look like worship. I mean, you got to grab her water. I mean, you're doing all that. You, I mean, you're pulling everything out your pocket, and it's, it's like she, I mean, you're thinking before her and doing. Looks like work. It can look like worship. But think about this. You would do anything for your mom. you do anything for your now, I say this implying that you have a good relationship with your parents. You would do anything for them, right? So is it really too much to ask? Is it really? But see, when we really love something, when we really love something, there's nothing we won't do. There's nothing we're not willing to do. See, and that's where God deals with it, is what you're willing to do. You may not always necessarily be required to actually do it, but the fact that you're willing to God is done. Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac. Didn't actually have to do it, but his heart, he, he had already did it. So 
if you're serving the right way, it will look like worship. It will look like it to the untrained eye. Exactly. Exactly right. So that's something to think about. Something to think about. Now, other thing is, a side note, is uh, this is how you know if you actually have spiritual leaders. If they are not concerned with your deliverance, they're not your spiritual leader. Something about it. they're really not concerned about you being delivered for real and a constant reminder until it actually happens, they're not your spiritual leader. They're not. So if you go into church and anybody say anything to you about your life and how dirty it is and out of order and chaotic, you might want to run. So that being said, let's talk about a couple relationships in the Bible for a couple for a couple examples. And I had a whole bunch of them, but I said I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it down. I do want to mention this word before we proceed with that, is submission. How many people would say they're submitted? Okay, that's good. I like that. Because submission, in a sense, I could go by the definition. I'll give you that just in case. To give over or yield to a power or authority of another. By definition. One more time. To give over or yield to the power or authority of another. That's what submission means. Simplest form, you don't have an opinion. You don't have one. Think about it like parents, because okay, it's like, it's like, it's like mm, I don't know about that one right there. But think about your parents. Now, you're gonna roll in your parents' house, and I'm gonna walk in my mom's house, I'm gonna say, Mom, I don't like that curtain there. I don't like that TV there. Matter of fact, I'm tired of you cooking that same thing every night. Change up with the menu. Um, th- because that's what we do. Oh, okay, we, uh, that's how we do it in church. The service is so long. I mean, can't we get out by like, I mean, 1.30? That'll give me time to get to the spot before in the game. You know what I mean? How many TVs he gonna buy? We don't really need no more TVs. I mean, Lord, I mean, really, they gonna worship forever? <laughs> it's just like walking in your parents' house and saying, this couch, I'm just not feeling it. Can we get it out? We wouldn't do that, right? So I like these I like these simple examples because at least for me, when it came to my parents, I really did respect them. And I really didn't honor them. And I found because I didn't understand I w- I wanted to receive pastor and teacher as my spiritual parents. Right? I wanted to. So that put me on a journey for it to actually happen. Now, if you're not desiring it to happen, then it ain't going to happen. But if you actually really want it, then God will give you what you should be desiring. You should desire spiritual parents because that's the word of God. So he's going to put you on a journey for that really to happen. It doesn't happen like that. It just doesn't. Because it has to be tried to see that it's really valid and genuine. So... Let's talk about Samuel and Eli. Minister, if you would, can we go to 1 Samuel 3 and 1? And we'll go down there just just for a little bit. I'll tell you where to stop. 
First Samuel chapter three at verse one. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli. The word of the Lord was rare and precious in those days. There was no frequent or widely spread vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had dimmed so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was lying down. When the Lord called, Samuel, and he answered, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Eli said, I did not call you. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. And the Lord called again, Samuel. And Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I. You did call me. Eli answered, I did not call my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, and the word of the Lord was not yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel the third time, and he went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Okay. So I want to go back up to verse 1, because now, now that we've established who our spiritual parents are, now we're going to begin the relationship. Okay? So it says that, meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by what? In the New Living Translation, sorry. Oh. It says he served the Lord by assisting Eli. I want you to think about that. He served God by what? His spiritual father. So how we serve our spiritual parents is how we serve God. I know, I know, I know it's high and tight, it's rough, but that's the word. That's the word of God. It says that by serving Eli, that's how he worshiped God. Okay, take that one, mold it over. But I promise you it's there in every translation. Actually, another one says ministering, but, you know, all, in, all in, uh, defines as a saint. So after that relationship was established, then God begins to call Samuel, right? So his call wasn't defined until he, his See, the reason why I'm getting y'all to say it is because I, I want you to be without excuse. And there's something to when you put voice to it. So the call that's on your life won't be 
defined until you begin to serve your leaders as if it's God. Because that is how you serve God. Okay, well, well, what was New Testament? How can you say you love someone you can't see if you can't love the one that you can? Right? Mm -hmm. So our relationship with the one another is how the world actually sees Christ. So you got all these New Testament examples of the same thing. Is that that's how you worship God. Your relationships. So pastor's been teaching on relationships. And he's teaching on the heart. So I couldn't teach about them until we got our relationships understood and our hearts right to receive it. So so now Eli is teaching Samuel how to hear. Because the word of the Lord, excuse me, the people couldn't hear God. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of people could hear God. But Samuel was still able to Excuse me, Eli was still able to train Samuel how to hear. Did it happen the first time? No. Did it happen the second? No. Did it happen the third? So God speaks once, twice, three times, and man doesn't perceive, right? So this is how the word of God is supposed to be. They go, they precept the precept. They build upon each other. So you have... Eli saying, go lie back down. And if he calls you again, then you say, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. But catch this. Samuel identified the voice of the Lord as his spiritual father. Wow. 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 That's how Samuel. Now, Samuel had been in the temple serving since a child. He was raised in it. That's a whole other dynamic. But so He's familiar with Eli's voice, I would imagine. It's just them two in there. I would imagine I'm familiar with Pastor's voice if it's just me and him in here, right? But God called him, because that's what the word says, right? Minister, just in case I'm missing it, could you read uh, verse 2, please, again? Verse 2. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. I'm sorry, keep going. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, Mm -hmm. and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. He was in the presence of God. I want us to speed past that. He was in the temple, which is the presence of God, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Suddenly, the Lord called out Samuel. All right. So the Lord called out Samuel, but Samuel said he ran to Eli. Yes, Lord. He said, I didn't call you. Went back to bed. Now, now catch this. He just heard himself. He just heard what he thought was Eli call him. And Eli just said, it wasn't me. Right? He lays back down. This didn't say it was over a few days. This is all in the same night. And God calls him again. And what does he do? Go back to Eli. Mm-hmm. Went back to him a third time. Because that shows you that it was so much that Samuel 
perceived Eli's voice as a voice of God, that he would have kept coming back to Eli until Eli gave him a different direction. So in real life, this is what happened to me. I'm in New Jersey, sitting on the porch, call, talk to Ani, and she wanted to check on me, X, Y, Z, Ani always do that. And um, on the phone, I was like, okay, you know, and at this time, you know, still won't try to do the whole church thing yet. So I was like, all right, you know, got to get off the phone quick because I know passing teacher close by. <laughs> I'm trying to do it. So I was like, all right, honey, you know, oh, it's good to hear from you. All right, I'll talk to you later. Oh, well, Pastor, want to talk to you? Oh, snap. All right. So get on the phone. I'm like, all right. How's it going to be? Oh, you know, it's going good. You know, sun is out, cool breeze. You know, you talk about just random stuff. Don't make no sense because you're just trying to get off the phone. And uh, he's like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Midway through the conversation, coming to an end. Ain't mentioned God, we good. About to get off this phone. OB, real quick. You know you still got that call in your life. Now, here's the thing. I heard that before. A couple other times. But when he said it that time, yes, Lord, your servant is listening. Haven't turned back since. See, but it took me to receive him for what he really was, which was my spiritual father. Didn't quite understand it all, didn't quite know it all, because I won't in church. But there was something in his voice that I, it, was, I could, it was him talking. I could hear his voice, but there was something different. Because, again, I've heard that before. But when he said it this time, I was like, couldn't shake it. I couldn't shake that out of my head. You know you still got that call. You know you still got that call. You know you still got a call. Over and over and over again until it called me all the way back here. So I could go into that a whole lot more. I'm going to do this real quick though. So <laughs> so it is very important to understand that I know we feel like we can hear from God, but if we're going to be completely honest with ourselves, the only voice that we can currently hear, currently hear clearly as the voice of God is going to be through our spiritual leaders. Currently. And they will let you know when you can, because who let Samuel know? Eli. Eli. Samuel didn't come back the first time, and then the second time, be like, you know what, Eli? Go lay it on down. I know that's God. I got him. No, he didn't. He didn't. It took his spiritual father to say, go lay down. And he, he didn't say right away, it's God. No, no. He said, go lay down. So it's like, man, why, why won't they sometimes just tell me it straight out, what's what? No, no, because you're going to miss it. Because, again, you're going to miss the journey. Go lay down and say this when you hear it next time. Yes, Lord, your servant is listening. And then after he's, because, because of now his position and his obedience to Eli first and then God, because he didn't know, he, to him there was no difference. Just that sounds a lot like Joshua and Moses. 
right? He served Moses in the same manner. So, but when he was in position and, it, and he realized it was God talking to him, then God began to impart to him. And then he, then he began to walk in his office. So you're called first. Then you have to be trained. And then you start to operate in your office. It's biblical. It's biblical. So let's fast forward because Samuel and Eli don't seem to be as uh, as exciting. <laughs> That's all right, though. I like it. That's all right. <laughs> but uh, but it's, it's good stuff, y'all. I promise you. I promise you. Uh, everyone is called, but few are chosen. Why, though? Why? It's a heart condition. Heart condition. All right. Another thing is the anointing. Let's talk about Saul and David real quick. So now, you know, we got the, we know all about Saul. He was God's anointed. Then the anointing was lifted off of him because he was walking in disobedience, right? And God said he chose another. He chose David, right? We know David was a shepherd, and the first thing he just identifies is that he killed Goliath. And David was real modest, just tending to the shepherd. He won a warrior like the rest of his brothers. Long story short, and he was short. He was in stature. And... And Saul was being tormented by evil spirit. And the, his armor bearers, if you will, were like, you know, we know somebody that plays a harp that can help soothe the situation. So he was like, all right, send for him. So sends for David. And I believe that is Samuel 19, 16, 16 excuse me, 19 to 22. That way, I don't think I'm just up again. My opinion about stuff. That's got no weight to it. New Living Translation. First uh, Samuel sixteen nineteen. Eighteen and nineteen. In the New Living Translation. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son, David, the shepherd. I keep going, I'm sorry. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul, along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. Mm -hmm. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much and David beca became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, asking, Please let David remain in my service, for I am very pleased with him. Okay. So you see there that the relationship with David and Saul was that David, David really, um, if you know anything about that, about that particular relationship, David really honored the anointing of God. So the anointed one at the time was Saul. And even after the anointing had lifted, David still honored him as such because he was still in the position. He was still in the office of king. And so all the way up until Saul tried to kill him, all types of things, but David still, still honored him. So whenever you feel like you're under harsh leadership or you're being treated unfairly or unjustly, et cetera, et cetera, all the feelings that we get, do we still honor and revere and serve like David would Saul? Because last time I checked, we don't have no javelins being thrown at us. Okay, okay. I'm saying. Right? 
So um, last one I want to do, wrap it up on here, is I want to talk about before David was called, because it's the anointing, right? We know, we know the anointing comes from God, but we know that the pouring on of oil was also a representation of the anointing, right? So whenever the oil was poured on anyone, it was always by a man of God, right? So your anointing, your ability to do what you couldn't do, would have to come from the man of God. Right. Think about it. Until the man of God said that you need to be delivered from what you need to be delivered from, you wouldn't have did it. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. No? Okay, at least I wouldn't have. So until these character flaws were addressed, you wouldn't have fixed it. Right? So anytime I'm talking about the word, the first question that people ask me is, where do I go to church to hear this? It, and then they ask me, are you a pastor? Because I sound like my pastor. I'm not, I'm not no clergy. You don't see anything on my neck for me to look like a pastor, but just get to talking and they can hear your passion and your zeal for the word. Right. And then how you kind of lead and guide them through the word and have them considering their current state and how they should be and all that, that sounds a whole lot like a shepherd. But those qualities I wouldn't have without a shepherd. So, but let's talk about the mantle. That's why I asked that question in our teacher. Because the mantle, we, hear the, we hear, often hear that what you esteem flows to you. So when I hear mantle, the first story that comes to mind is Elijah and Elisha, right? So... Elijah was a prophet, and so was Elisha. But when, actually, you know what? I do have to go there real quick. <laughs> First King 19, verse 19 through 21, and there's a particular part I definitely want to point out. So let me get there real quick. Because this is, this is pastor all day long. And when I read it, I was like, it just, it's just, it's funny because the word of God should be confirming that your man of God is your man of God mm -hmm. and your woman of God is your woman of God. Absolutely. Should be, if they are. Amen. And, uh, okay. Okay, perfect. Right ahead, sir. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. Pause real quick. Elijah went and found Elisha. I was on the phone, right? And Elisha, Elijah, excuse me, said, you know you still got that call in your life. You following me? You still, he came and found me. Right? It, it really is only one story. And we, this is a whole different story than Samuel and Eli. So he went and found him. Keep going, minister, please. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Mm -hmm. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders mm -hmm. and then walked away. Pause. Wow. 
So, here's the thing. Now, growing up, I always when I first met Pat, when I first met Pastor back then, he was Uncle Rod. I met him back there, and I would, I would look at every, just his life. I didn't, you know, I'm like 16, 15 at that time, looking at his life, and I'm like, man, like that's the life. No, it wasn't all spiritual at that time, but it still represented the life because it was him and what he had accomplished and how he thought, all those things I didn't even understand, but I knew I wanted that. So why would God use him to call? That's a whole nother thing. So so that cloak that he threw over Elisha after he came and found him sounds just like this. What is he called to do? to be a pastor. And what did he say to me? You still have that call that he threw on me that I couldn't shake off. Oh, man, so I could go all the way in with that thing. So, but then, but then, Oh, man, so just keep going for a second. Verse 20. Elisha left the oxen standing there, mm -hmm. ran after Elijah, mm -hmm. and said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, mm -hmm. and then I will go with you. Oh, right there. So, okay. <laughs> it's heavy. Okay. So I left Jersey and came back here. He left the oxen where they were standing. I left my current life and came here. Rode all the way out. <laughs> but then there came a time when I had to pull away from my mother and my father. All he said was, can I go back and tell him goodbye first? Can I let him know that this is about to happen? So I stood in my mother's living room, and I said, I said to her, you remember that night? I said, I can't do this. I can't stay here any longer because of the call. And so I moved out, and where'd I go? To live with my pastor. Oh, see, I didn't know I was in Elijah and Elijah. I didn't know it till today, y'all. Okay, please keep reading, Minister. Elijah replied, go on back, but think about what I have done to you. Now, pause, man. Now, I'm sitting at that table, and I read that. <laughs> I said, if that's not pastor all day long. Okay, that's cool, but just think about that for a minute. And then he leave you with it. So then you go on, and you're thinking, you're like, okay. What's he saying? What's he saying? So then you come back. So pastor did this to me. He sent me a text. And he said, um, do you love me? Oh, now, at that time, in my mind, it was a whole lot of warfare. <laughs> and I was like, this is not the question to ask me right now. So, <laughs> but then he asked me again. <laughs> and he asked me again. Now, we know how to do some things, you know, when we've been churched, right? 
Basically, you know what I did? I sent back the scripture because that's safe. Oh, man, y'all ain't with me today. It was safe. See, instead of me saying no, I don't know how to. I did. Oh, man, there's so many. So, oh, man. Oh, this is just good. So, I'm a, I'm a, so the teaching that, um, the teaching, okay, I, I got to finish with that one, but I wasn't going to Paul and Timothy, because that, that's, that I will say that that relationship is probably the best one. I'm going to tell you why. Other ones were great, don't get me wrong, because Timothy was a son a student, and a partner. He wasn't just a son. He wasn't just a student, like Elijah and Elijah. He, was a, he also became a partner, a partner in the faith, because of his relationship with Paul. But guess what? Paul came and found Timothy. Sounds a whole lot like Elijah finding Elisha. So let's go to the scripture real quick, just in case. 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 1, 2, 3. Actually, this isn't where he was called. That's Acts 16. You can read that on your own. But I want to go to 2 Timothy 1, 2, 3. No, that's not the one. I don't want to go there. I'm sorry, minister. I'm trying to let's y'all bear with me just a second. I see what you mean now, Pastor. I'll be real good up here. All right. So this is what I love about we we know all the all the writings from Paul to Timothy, right? And the dialogue they've had. So I love this about Paul because before when Timothy was becoming now a partner in the faith. He was an apprentice. He was a son. He went through all the training and all that, right? Because Timothy also came from, a, if you will, a fatherless home. Because you never hear his father mentioned. You hear his mother and his grandmother, who were Jews. His father was a Greek, right? So in their journey together, Timothy ended up becoming a partner in the faith. So like, it's like when you finally branch off, you're, you're not in competition. You're a partner now in the faith. So an apprentice or journeyman works with, right? I mean, their hands on the plow with them, like we learned, right? So this is what Timothy did. This is why Tim Timothy was able to do what he did. But I love Paul in his charge that he gave to Timothy, in his constant reminder of what he was called to do, what he would face, and how to handle it. So it was a constant reminder of the word that you heard, the life that I lived before you. 
So, and it was. So I want to go to Second uh, Timothy, Second Timothy, chapter three, verse ten through. Go ten through sixteen. We'll finish right here. Second Timothy, chapter three, at verse ten. But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, and how I live. And what my purpose in life is, you know my faith, my patience, my love, and my endurance. Pause. So that scripture, once you have become a son or daughter, what Paul is doing, just like our leaders have done, is they warn you beforehand. Mm -hmm. These are all the things that the enemy are going to bring into question after you leave from me. He's going to make you question my patience with you, my faith, my love, how I endured, my teachings. And then he's even going to question my purpose in your life. Just if you're a son or a daughter, if you're just visiting, none of this going to happen to you. Because remember, that's the question I want us to be able to answer when we leave. Minister, please. Verse 11. You know how much persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch. Pause. I, if you will, I'm sorry. So being in close proximity with Pastor, I've had the privilege to see a couple of things that he's had to experience, like the passing of his brother and how he handled it, and then the persecution he receives from his fellow pastor friends. I get to see all those things. But you know what the enemy is still brought into question? My son Timothy. You know what the enemy is still brought into question? His patience with me. His love towards me. How he endured with me. What he taught me. The life that he lived before me. And then finally, his purpose in my life. And when you become a son, the same thing will happen to you too. So why I'm up here doing all this? Because teacher taught during the art of war that Jesus said to Peter, Peter, after you fall, because I know you will, and you're restored, you go and you strengthen your brothers and your sisters. That's the purpose of tonight's teaching. So I want to leave you with one last scripture because this is going to be what you should say to anyone after you have become a son or a daughter that tries to, because the enemy isn't going to come to you with these thoughts, just him directly. He's going to come through a person in a conversation. That's how he's going to bring, then he's going to, then once he has that entrance, then he's going to bring all that up. This is what you do. I love how David honored God's anointed. Minister, if you would go to Samuel, 1 Samuel, chapter 26, verse 19. And I want y'all to see how, just how serious Samuel took, I mean, excuse me, David took his position and Saul's position in his life, even in the current state that it was in. Because remember, Saul is actually trying to kill David. Our leaders aren't trying to kill us. No javelins being thrown, nobody on assignment coming, hunting us down, 
Got us out in the wilderness and caves and whatnot, right? No whole army, whole army. None of that going on. But that's how it feels. Now, again, this is only if you're a son or a daughter because these thoughts will come. That's why we're having it. That's why we're having this teaching right now, to have you able to handle it properly and know what to say back to the enemy when he tries to come for it. So, Minister, if you would just read 19, we're going to finish with that. 1 Samuel chapter 26 at verse 19. But now let my Lord the King listen to his servant. If the Lord has stirred you up against me, then let him accept my offering. But if this is simply a human scheme, then may those involved be cursed by the Lord. For they have driven me from my home, so I can no longer live among the Lord's people. And they have said, go worship pagan gods. So remember when we were talking about the runner and why they run? Because they can't find a home. Once you actually find one, he's going to try to get you to leave it. See, this is why we don't do memberships. Because you're not a member in your home. You're home. So if you're really home, you're not a member. We're family. And that is all for my teaching tonight. Thank you. Glory to God. Man of God been in training. Awesome. Glory to God. I tell you, as we say, as the word of God says, see, um, your fall is not failure. Your fall is not failure. But the enemy always wants us to think that our fall is a failure. And when you exactly pass it, and that's what makes you, that you don't want to get up because you feel like a failure. And the enemy brings all the the worst things that he can think about in your life that has happened, all the negative thoughts, and you don't want to get up. But this, I tell you, you got up. <laughs> I, Minister Brian, I tell you, I, I, I tell you, uh, and this is why it's so important to have in a marriage, the union that Pastor and I have, because if we had an unbalanced union, to where he's just, he has just answered his call and I have not. So you wouldn't have gotten what you needed to get up. See, the, a lot of the education and training came through me, but the training that comes from a father, a spiritual father, the shepherd, and the, look, the, Extending caring. Oh, God. <laughs> See, a teacher, you come to class, and after you leave the class, there's no extended caring. I care that you grow, but there is, within the call of a shepherd, 
it comes with the call and extended caring. That pushes beyond, look, the reach of a teacher. Oh, see, y'all ain't ready for me. Y'all not ready. See, this here, what helped you to, to get up and not also not give up and still get, baby, to still hear or want, desire to hear, even though your hearing wasn't fine-tuned, you, you still cared to hear what was right. Even though, I, you look, I couldn't hear what was right, but I, I cared to hear what was right. I couldn't hear what was right, but I cared to hear what is right. I tell you, Minister B had two major falls, but they weren't failure. It was to, see, it's part of the training. It's part of his call. He's just now realizing within his call what type of training he has to have, what type of endurance he has to have. What Look, your life that you really have to lay down. We're talking about a pastor. What, what is required? Let's just go to a, a Christian. What's required? What's re what do I have to do now that I'm, I'm born again? Minister B, I'm just going to end it. I'm a, I want us to leave with this because submission means to draw near. In Hebrew, it means to draw near. It means to obey. But you have to, to obey, you have to draw near. See, what has happened is one thing to, to be in a person's company, right? Every day. But what T has done, she find that we find, not she, but we find that we're always near. And the near is not the going out and hanging out, but because when we're at work and we take a break, the break is at the same time. Because it's a drawing near. It's the words that are spoken in part. And see, when there is a call upon your life, you have to know the call and they teach you. It's called to a teacher. A teacher is called to a teacher. As Minister Fee is walking in. And what happens is we realize that we're so much, we're drawn so near. But we're only, we were only drawn near not because we work in the same place but because of her obedience. Obedience draw you near. <laughs> obedience draw you near to your call. It calls you. Your call calls you. It draws you near. <laughs> so much. See, now you're going to go to another level because of the victory in your fall. Is now that you're going to think like your shepherd. 
You're going to hear your shepherd. I can, only, I can only use, and many of you are coming in that place now, and you're in a position to where I can talk to you as mature adults now, right? So the only reason that I, I use T in this sense is because she's the, the one that has drawn near. And look, when you obey, it has to be in all things. Hear this. Is you have to be subject in all things. The word of God says, I have put everything under my feet, which means all things are subject to me. Catch this. Until you are, see, he has a divine order. He has put you under. When he gives you a shepherd, he gives you spiritual leaders. He put you under. He does. Obedient means to be. See, the word control, you're not going to like this word. It, it means to be. A person is not controlling you, but you're under the control of. Because guess what? Jesus had, see, but Jesus had to be under he had to be subject and under the control of the Father. Had he not, you would not receive salvation. He had to be under. He had to be under the control of the authority and power of the Father. This is why he said, I wish that you were one as me and the Son are one. Because the Son is under. <laughs> See, and he's under in all things. It says. Resist the enemy. And he'll flee. But you have to be. Under. Oh come on. See. Nothing in our life. Is going to work. Pastor this is why he says. Those who are married and soon to be married. This is why he says. Wives submit. Yourself under. The control of your husband. Why? Because God has an order of power, authority, and influence. He said you are to be under. See, because if not, see how the unbalance and nothing will work in the kingdom if you're not under all things. The enemy is not going to flee from you with no prayer that you pray because you're not under authority. He said, I have given you pastors after my own heart, and I place you under. See, and if you don't allow God to place you under, you are a bastard child without covering. We're talking about submission. We're talking about... Knowing how to be under spiritual parents. To be under, put under, subdue. Oh, my God. I want you to get to all the different areas of how you have to be under. Jesus was under submission of his parents. Demons says demons are, I'm going to give you this scripture here where it speaks about the demons or Subject 
to us, but look, in his name. Luke 10, 17. See, demons are not, you can't cast out a demon. One that's influencing or has a, okay. Because you're not under. This is what's wrong with the marriages. The man is not under, if he's a man of God, he's not under his spiritual leader. And the wife is not under the husband. So you got marriages not working because no one is under. No one is, look, no one is obeying. Look, in all things. Elder, Elder James, I'm realizing something here. If we don't all get under in all things, everything that you're doing, your prayers, your worship, your study, it's all in vain because you're not under. My God. Spirits to the prophets were subject to the prophets. Under. Even the spirits were under the control of the prophet. All things to Jesus have to be subject to. See, we don't want to be under. Because you see us as mere men and mere women. Because you can't see spiritually. God has an order. He has a structure of the family. And even when your natural family is all out of whack, he said, I have given you another mother, another father, because you need a family. And in that family, there is structure. And you are to be, see, you, if not, you're out of control. You are lawless without being under. You're creating your own rules, your own laws. Man of God, you hit something here tonight. You hit something. The angels, authority and powers are all under Jesus. So these demonic spirits, government, all powers are under God. So when we're praying, intercessory prayer, and we're praying for governmental rules and regulations, everything we pray, but you're not under. You're not under. You're praying for things to get better in your home, but you're not under. Praying for your body, health, but you're not under. We have to be even under Cindy. Each other. Oh, my God. Nick, I have to be, look, in a way, I have to be under submission to you in situations. You know why? Because I have to always see you better, not in better in any other way, but higher than myself. I don't need to think higher. That's how I put myself under chef, even our conversation. I may be the teacher, but still. I have to be, a, oh, my God. Because if not, I, see, I'm looking. I'm thinking more highly. 
of myself and I can't receive anything from you because I'm the teacher. Oh, we all got to be under. <laughs> Glory to God. You got to be under, otherwise you can't hear anything and your life won't change. He said in all things. So, so in the marriage, in your relationship, at the job, everywhere and everything, and with, and with all the demonic forces and things not lining up in your, in your life. And I spoke about healing. Things going on with your children. In every area of your life where things is not right, it's simply because you're not under. You're not under in all things. All things. All things. You're trying everything else. And you're still going to come up with the same thing. And look, the person's not going to change. Because guess what? They're going to revert back to what they've been doing because they can't seem to, look, come under. Wait, Minister B, you've been, you've been with the minister how long? Six years. Trying to give you all the shortcut. Don't have to be six years. Who want to go that long and, and, and go through, look, unnecessary, unnecessary fall, unnecessary, <laughs> unnecessary when it comes to you developing and receiving the things and your giftings and, and knowing God and, and getting to work on the mission that God has called you. Who want to keep waiting for that? Six years. Five years, four years, 10 years, 15 for some people. Because you know what? You have people even in their 60s, and they are so disobedient. They refuse to be under. Still in our, our ways, our way of thinking, our way of doing. And so when pastors speak about time, and he speaks about our stewardship. See, we have again seen... And see your spiritual leaders as mere men. But until you get under your anxiety, the things that's going off in your body, all the imbalance in your life is going to remain there because you're not under the order of God. And his order is submission. And if Christ had to do it, then you do too. Amen? Glory to God. Oh, my Lord. Minister Brown, I tell you, man, you have grown up. It's awesome. It's awesome. See, but when you don't understand, I love when you spoke about an untrained eye, and it would look like it's worship. But that's what grew passing up so quick. And our former ministry is that we honor and respect the call on our former pastor's life. We didn't, we didn't say, oh, I don't agree with this. That we, may, we may didn't understand, but see, when you say you don't agree, you place yourself in an opposing position. That's what you do. You can't receive because you're now, see, this put you in place of pride. Now you are opposing the direction of the power and authority that you're supposed to be under. 
And that's what happened with the child when they don't agree with the parent. They oppose, then become rebellious, then become a whole mess. That's right, leave before they are fully developed and trained. And they end up living, but glory to God, that's not gonna happen to our children.